Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Rebels Trust by Sarah Blackard A solo adventurer determined to do things on her own an ex-Special Force member evading his nightmares. When they collide while escaping dangerous forces in the Alaska wilderness, will they trust each other to find safety? After Sunny Rebel's business partner left her with a damaged faith in others and an empty bank account, she hopes tackling adventures alone will protect her from repeat heartache. When she started her social media video channel, it was a desperate means to end the embarrassment of being duped by her boyfriend and business partner. She couldn't bring herself to go back to the mountaineering community she loved on Mount Denali, not when she'd been greeted with whispered rumors and truths behind her back. Sure, she may be a people person, but showing viewers the wilds of Alaska is just as satisfying as guiding climbers up America's tallest peak. A trek through the remote gold mining district where her parents grew up will give her at least two weeks to get her head on straight and figure out her life's next step. Something broke in Davis Fields that last month he was enlisted, and even his job at Stryker Security Force can't fix it. He could always be relied on, was always quick to help, which was probably why he'd been targeted, used. Now he's only left with anger. It boils in him, always at the surface. That's why he's spending the summer sleeping in a tent, helping a military buddy mine flecks of gold from the Alaskan earth. Hopefully, the isolation will help him get a handle on himself. When Sunny witnesses a heinous crime, her jaunt through the wilderness becomes deadly, and her only help is a gruff man she hardly knows. Will Sunny and Davis escape the Alaskan wilderness alive, or will the lurking dangers claim them both? Welcome to this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hammerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I'm thrilled to have Danny Petrie and Sarah Blackard back on my show. So welcome back, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So um, I know a lot has happened since the last time you were on the show, but we're all still writing romantic suspense. So yay, <laughs> still doing that. Um, so why don't we just talk a little bit about your um, new books or um, most recent books? So Danny, you can go first. Tell us a little bit about The Deadly Shallows. Sure. So The Deadly Shallows is the third book in my Coastal Guardian series. Um, it can be read as a standalone, but it's always great to read the whole series. Um, it focuses on the Coast Guard Investigative Service, um, the men and women who work on the team, and those they fall in love with. Okay, great. Um, and Sarah, uh, tell us about A Rebel's Trust. Yeah, so A Rebel's Trust is the fourth book in my Alaskan Rebel series um, that follows a family called the Rebels. Um, and it is um, a really high action um, um, romantic suspense set in the um, Alaskan gold country just north of where I live. Um, 
And so it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. And I noticed that, um, and I think both of you kind of have themes. It's a little bit similar with the high octane, the, the little themes. And I mean, your Sarah are set in Alaska and Danny's yours are set. Is it the coast of one of the Carolinas? Yeah. So each series has been kind of a coastal focus. My first one was set in Alaska. Second was in Baltimore area. And this one's in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Right. So you have that kind of, I think, a similar theme um, with your book. So how do you kind of come up with your settings then? I mean, obviously Alaska is kind of cool because you live there, but how did, you know, you don't have to write about Alaska. So Sarah, why don't you go first? Talk about how you pick kind of where your, your stories are set. Um, yeah. So I, I like to write, um, well, I picked Alaska because I love it up here. And, um, there's a lot of adventure that happens, um, just out my front door. Uh, you know, I can, my kids hop on four wheelers and drive a couple miles to go bear hunting. So, um, for me, this, this is just like a, a natural, um, setting for the adventures that I want to take. And, um, and I also like writing from an Alaskan point of view. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I have, you know, the whole, the whole, um, what's, what's that phrase, you know, write what you know, well, I know Alaska. <laughs> um, and so it makes it, makes it, um, I don't know, I'm hoping authentic. So, right. right. And Danny, let's talk about how you pick your, cause yours, I mean, it sounds like your most recent series, you kind of, it's not in one location. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of spread out through North Carolina, um, from the Outer Banks all the way down to Wilmington. Um, and we actually vacation in the Outer Banks a lot and in Topsail Island. And we spend time down in Wilmington and Wrightsville beach. And I just think the area is so beautiful. Um, and did a little research with the Coast Guard station down there and spent time in the town and just thought it would be a really nice location for a series. Yeah, I guess, I guess so, because you're on book three, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of challenges do you find with the setting? Um, you know, what kind of things do you that maybe surprised you when you started to write the book about, oh, well, maybe I you know, maybe I thought I knew this well, or maybe I didn't. So we'll start with Danny. Kind of what what kind of things that maybe cropped up to surprise you as as you wrote those? Right. So I would say there's always more to learn. Um, even when I did my Chesapeake Valor series and it's set where I live, when I went from a research point of view, there was stuff I didn't realize I didn't know about my local community. And so not living in Wilmington, even though we visited. Um, as I looked into stuff and started researching, I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this was this way, or, you know, this business was here, or they have trouble with the tides because of this, you know? And so I think, um, talking with people that live there is really, really helpful. Um, and reading books on the area written by locals is really, really helpful, but yeah, there's always things that you can learn more by digging a little deeper, um, and I tend to also add, weave in some fictional parts of town or locations as well. Yeah, that, that's fun. Sarah, how about you? I mean, I know you're living there. It's right in your backyard, but there must be things that you don't. 
Well, Alaska is huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> like if you overlay Alaska over, you know, continental USA, it stretches like from one side to the other. So um, there definitely, yeah, like Danny said, there's a lot that you just don't realize, you know, until you start writing it. Um, you know, even with a rebel's trust, it's, you know, um, right out my back back door, you know, um, set, uh, you know, just in the interior where, where I'm from. And even then it was like, okay, well, how would I explain walking through this Tuskeg, for example, example, you know, that it's just like, you know, how do you explain that? Or, um, with, a my last book, A Rebel's Promise, you know, they, they go on a trek from, um, Barrow, which is the northernmost northernmost point of Alaska to the North Pole. And um, so, you know, that was like, that's all sea ice. Like, that's not even land, you know? So there's definitely, I love, but I love that about, especially about writing about Alaska's because our, our ecosystem up here is so diverse um, and it makes it fun because, because then you're just, um, every book is a new, new system that you have to figure out how to explain. Um, and so, yeah, it's challenging too, but yeah, definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. And I've set most of my books in, um, in Virginia. It's where I born and raised Virginia at heart. And I find that it is that I thought, well, this will be easy. <laughs> right. I mean, and it is to a certain extent because I, I know Virginia, but I remember I had I have one of my novellas is set in like around Christmas time. And I think one of my beta readers was like, well, why is your plant? Why are the plants still green? I'm like, duh, it's Virginia. It doesn't get that cold. And they're like, no, that I said, so I kind of had to put a little caveat in there. Yes. The box glove leaves could still be green <laughs> in December because it can be 70 some degrees on Christmas. <laughs> and Danny's nodding because she knows in the South that's but the people don't always think of Virginia as being really South. So they kind of have that thing. So yeah, it is kind of fun. The things that you kind of have to learn and think about and read and, and because we want our books to be, you know, accurate fiction, we may make a few things up. We want it to be accurate. You know, we have to pay attention to that. So I imagine writing about like the tides and stuff. You're like, you're all over those tide charts, right? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Weather charts, tide charts, temperature, like what is going to exactly what's going to grow. And I have to say, I was born and raised in Virginia too. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, but yes, you have to be on top of all those things. You just don't think about like, I'll write my first draft and I'll be like, you know, I really need to check this. And then by the second draft, I'm weaving all that in. So little things you don't think about till it comes out in the story. Right. And I'm sure Sarah, um, you also have, you know, like you said, the things that we, that we don't know. So what, so I would love to hear what was something that you thought you knew and that you turned out you were wrong about. <laughs> Can you think of anything, any, um, well, yeah. So I, um, wanted to, there was an Instagram post, I don't know, last year in March sometime, a reel that one of my 
author friends did about mind shaft romance. She was talking about forced proximity. And I was like, oh, I'm totally doing that. Like I'm accepting that challenge and I'm going to do mind shaft romance. And so um, when uh, I wrote the uh, Rebels Trust, that's what I wanted to put it in because they're in gold, gold mining country, you know? And so I, I had the mine shaft and um but then I realized, you know, up here, we don't really do mine shaft, like mine shafts, like you would think of, you know, in other places, it's, it's a different type of mining. So then I had to like, kind of make it, uh, you know, figure out how to use mine shaft without using, you know, fix it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, even living, you know, I've, I've lived, worked um, summers up in, in the gold country. And so it was, even then it was still like, okay, I just <laughs> have to reword that and make that work. But yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool. Danny, have you had anything where you said, I know this. And then you're like, no, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, for Deadly Shallows, it's it's kind of a small thing, but um, I assumed it never, ever snowed in Wilmington. Like, it just didn't happen, and it takes place at, uh, in December, um, and I happened to look it up, and it can occasionally snow. It doesn't happen often, but um, that ended up working in the story well, so I was glad I ended up stumbling across that. Yeah, I know. It is sometimes, it is those little things, I think, that both can excite readers who go, yeah, I know it snows in Wilmington every once in a blue moon, or it can't, it's possible to do that. Or there's no mine shafts in <laughs> Alaska. What is she doing? <laughs> kind of thing. But it's when we pay attention, I think, to those seemingly insignificant details that we really draw the reader in, right? We really get them because they feel, even if they've never been to Alaska, the fact that you wrote that differently than Colorado mining or West Virginia mining, <laughs> I think is important. And, the, and just, just paying attention to the weather. Can it do this? Can it not do this? Has it ever snowed in Wilmington in December? You know, if it never has, um, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I think it really helps our readers um, authenticate it for them. So have you ever had, that's just but speaking of, because they're going to notice those things. Have you ever had readers kind of say, well, that's not possible, even though you're like, yeah, it is. Danny, have you ever had that happen? Um, I did have that with um, a couple things in Alaska. When I set my series there, I had not visited there, but I interviewed a lot of people that lived in the area I was writing about. And there were just a few small things, but um, weather, like somebody told me it never gets above a certain temperature. I'm talking about temperatures a lot. I'm not really <laughs> sure why, but, and uh, I had set mine on a fictional island, but um, it had actually gotten above that temperature, not the norm again, but it had happened. Um, but I think that was, um, and even in Baltimore, sometimes I would get stuff like that. That restaurant doesn't exist. I'm like, well, I kind of ate there last week. So, you know, but, but people do, you know, like, but when they had been up there, it hadn't existed. It was a new restaurant. And so um, you do get that, you that readers are definitely paying attention to those things, which I think is awesome. And I agree with you. I think it helps make it authentic and draws them in. So if something like that pulls them out, it's good to know about it for future books. Right, right. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with Danny. It's it's 
it's important, yeah, to listen to the readers and see, you know, what they have to say and, and double check what you, you put in your books and whatnot. But um, I had, it wasn't really a reader's, it was kind of funny on, in my first Rebel book, um, he's a helicopter pilot, and I did a lot of research and um, had a friend who had a friend who was a helicopter pilot. So I, you know, sent lots of questions and whatnot. And um, one of my advanced readers uh, actually sent my manuscript to her brother-in-law, who was a military um, helicopter pilot, uh, which my character was. And uh, and then he he came back and was like, well, this part wouldn't happen. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it's already out. Um, but when I went back and did some more research and, and you know, it, it could have happened the way that I wrote it. So but it was it was good that he, you know, it, it was amazing that my arc reader sent it to him in the first place because she, you know, knows how important being authentic is to me. Um, but at the same time, it was, you know, and it was great that he said everything that he said. Um, but then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can keep it, <laughs> you know, um, there's enough, there's enough, you know, truth in what I wrote that it could, it could happen the way that I wrote it. So, but it, I was, I was, I was sweating for a minute. <laughs> Right. And I think that that I think you kind of touched on something, Sarah, I think that um, that we as writers need to keep in mind that, you know, our the readers are going to have a different experience with the book than we do. And um, I had a recent um, experience with a, a reviewer on my, um, who had anyway someone who was reviewing my book and she was like, well, I thought, you know, she wanted to send me her notes on the, on the book and, and, you know, and I, and she was very, she was like upset that her review was only three star out of five star. And I was like, I'm of the opinion that it's your opinion. You can write, you know, I'm fine with a two, one star review. I really am because I would rather people be honest than not. So it was just, it just was interesting. It just reminded me she's reading it from a different perspective and that's okay. So how do you balance those kind of sometimes negative, you know, feedback that we get that maybe we don't really ask for? <laughs> so Sarah, do you want to tackle that first? Yeah, I just had a, a similar experience with my um, romantic comedy. I write romantic comedy too. And it, I have one that's coming out um, this next month. And um I had an email from one of my ARC readers that has been with me since the beginning. And um, she was just like, I can't give a review of this one. I don't want to, I won't give a review of this one because it just wasn't, um, I didn't, I didn't like it, you know, because um, it was a fake romance and she, she doesn't like that. And, um, but for me, you know, it was heart wrenching because like, I'm such a, um, empathetic person, you know, like I, um, I, I connect with my readers, um, really on a personal level and, and I want them to be happy with what, what I write, but then it made me, I had to, had to remember that, yeah, not everybody, I don't like every book of my favorite authors, you know, there's, there's some books that I'm, I can't finish and I'm like, ah, this one missed it for me. Um, and, 
and that's we're going to have readers that are that are, do the same um and that's that's writing that's that's how opinion opinions work um so i i try not to get too worked up on those things um and because i really feel like i write the stories that that god lays on my heart and so I, if I were to change them to make um, a certain person happy, then that wouldn't be the story that I was meant to write. So, yeah, no, I, I totally that. I mean, I kind of responded to this, this person. I was like, well, you know, I really appreciate it. You can certainly post whatever review you want and thank you. But I have enough critique partners I've been with and readers on my book and you know I appreciated it because she took the time to a write me a lengthy email and explain so you know you want to try to be gracious but again I don't need too many cooks in my manuscript or things will get too muddled um, so Danny how's your experience with um, either negative reviews or um, sure um well it this is hopefully it doesn't sound bad but um I don't read my reviews unless somebody shares them with me. So every reader that shares a review or emails or tags me, I'm absolutely read those reviews, but I, I kind of decided early on, I'm not going to read all my Amazon reviews or all my, because, um, I agree with Sarah, you know, that I write the story God lays on my heart. And I agree with you that everybody's going to come from a different perspective, um, and so my husband will look through them and I'll share good ones here and there. Um, however, I have gotten emails from readers, like you were saying, who didn't enjoy a book or didn't like a particular aspect. And I appreciate that. And I agree they're coming from a different perspective. And I also agree with Sarah that not everybody's going to like every book. And so trying to take that with a grain of salt, I think is what's important um, if they point out something in particular, you know, um, something with the suspense or the characterization or something that I might, you know, need to or want to consider and look at for a future book, I definitely appreciate them taking the time to show me things. Um, but yes, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt and, and trust the book God laid on your heart. Yeah, and I think that that's such an important, as both of you said, that's such an important thing as a writer is sometimes we can be too focused on, oh, this person didn't like it. Well, why didn't they like it? I want to fix it. And that can be, you know, sometimes a little people pleasing and a little, little too worried about, you know, whatever status we have as authors. I'm not really sure there is that, but I think that it is so important to focus on the writing that God has given us and the calling that we have. And sometimes that calling will reach thousands of readers and sometimes it'll be a little narrower and as I've kind of struggled with um, in my own writing career the fact that this is my writing journey and I don't want Danny's and I don't want the other Sarah's <laughs> you know I want my writing journey because that's where God has placed me and that can be such a hard thing I think for a writer to kind of wrestle with because don't we look at everyone else and we're like but she and he and <laughs> kind of thing so how do you keep yourself grounded so let we have just a few more minutes left so i would love to hear how do you keep yourself grounded in that calling that god has given you you know when you can just see all this other everyone else's success or awards or fill in the blank danny why don't you tackle that first sure um 
that's a great question. I think it's something we all struggle with from time to time. Um, I think a few things that keep me grounded are reminding myself that I'm writing for God and this is where he's placed me. Um, I have certain Bible verses that really speak to me on that. Um, him giving us the work of our hands and, you know, um, even when he's telling Peter not to worry about what John's doing or what's going to happen with him. Um, and I think that can be really helpful. Um, I don't check like sales numbers, like on Amazon rankings or look at other authors, Amazon rankings, or, you know, um, I, I just kind of decided that early on that that would probably be a temptation for me and, um, a comparison trap. And I, um, try to be as supportive of other authors as I can, but yeah, I think we all, I think all authors are going to struggle with that at some point in time. Yeah. And Sarah, how do you handle that? How, what keeps you grounded in your, on your, your personal writing? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I agree with Danny that just not, um, not getting, going and refreshing and, and looking, you know, is it, is the rank higher? Is the rank higher? Is the rank higher? I, um, I have steadfast, um, taped to my computer screen, um, because I, I have a, um, goal and I have a path that, um, I, I decided at the very beginning of my publishing career that I wanted to take. And so, um, I need to be steadfast in that and not get easily like turned away um, with with all the things because in author in the author business there are a lot of things that can get uh, get you turned to the side um, and and in some ways it can be addicting you know um, because you you want to you want you know if you're doing social media you want your post that you just did to rank high or to get more views, or, you know, you want to, um, have so many pre-orders or, you know, whatever. But, um, for me, it's just sticking to that long-term goal and really focusing on that and, and, um, looking at it for me, um, because I self-publish, I look at it as a business. It's not, it's not, you know, um, for me, it's not my book babies. It's not, you know, um, anything that's precious. Uh, it's, it's, it means to an end. And so, um, I love my books, um, as I'm writing them, you know, I'm, I'm really into them. I get very, very attached to my characters, but the actual product isn't something that I, um, trans, uh, put a lot of, um, weight on because the the more books that I can write you know um the more uh joy I'm bringing to readers and if I'm always worried about how well the last ones are doing um then it just divides my attention so I just try and stay focused and and um on the on the goal so yeah and I think along with that um and I think both of you kind of said this in slightly different ways. It's just kind of being that service to our readers, you know, obviously mm -hmm. op, number one service to God for giving us these words and this, these gifts to share. And then also um, just, you know, serving our readers as best we can. They're not always going to love, you know, the broccoli we give them. 
kind of thing. But they're going to, you know, we hope that we bring them joy and that we, you know, they have a, have a, um, because we're Christian romantic suspense writers that they have, they have some sort of um, encouragement in their faith or um, thinking about something different about God's aspect because of our characters and that sort of thing. So I think about that a lot. How can I serve my readers with this, with this blog, with this um, Facebook post, um, more less so than what they can serve me, but more to serve them, I think is kind of the theme that both of you were saying. So thank you for sharing that. I hope that we encouraging to our writer listeners and our reader listeners as well. So, but we are out of time tonight, but thank you both so much for being on my show. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. It was great. And Sarah, thanks for coming back again. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. You have been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamburger, and I've been talking with Danny Petrie and Sarah Blackard. And you can see more about them in the bios and links with this podcast and also hear a little bit more about their latest books with this podcast as well. The Deadly Shallows by Danny Petre. CGIS agent Noah Rowley is rocked to the core when he learns of a mass shooting raging on his Coast Guard base. He and his team stop the attack, but not before numerous innocent lives are lost. Furious and grief-stricken, he determines to do whatever is needed to bring the mastermind behind the attack to justice. Coast Guard flight medic Brooke Kessler evacuates the scene of the shooting in a helicopter carrying the only surviving gunman. Gravely wounded, the man whispers mysterious information to Brooke, information that paints a target on her back. As Brooke and Noah race to uncover answers, emotions between them ignite. Noah struggles to protect her and to contain the secret that prevents him from becoming what he longs to be, the right man for her. Urgency rises in the face of a horrifying truth. The mass shooting wasn't the villain's endgame. It's only the beginning. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.